Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Last week, we started on this sermon series called Family First. And we recognized that God had a plan. In his creation, his plan was for family first. He had you in mind. He started with his plan, and that was to make them in his own image. He created them male and female. And there was a purpose and design for that. There's a purpose and design of your biological makeup, but at the same time, your DNA, your likeness, who you are made for, your purpose was God's design. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And that is the makeup of the very beginning of God's plan for you. Because he did not start there. He did not just start and say, okay, I'm making you in my image, in my likeness. He didn't stop there, but then he continued on with blessings to be fruitful and multiply. And I want you to know that that Family value is God's heart for his people. Whether believers or unbelievers, they acknowledge God or not, it's in our innate nature and DNA to want a family, to be part of a family in love, in, in stability, in to be loved and to be able to love. I have never met somebody who said, I didn't want to be a family. No matter the brokenness and dysfunction, we may not have seen the model of a perfect family in our own life, but there is a perfect model. And that model comes from our Father, our Creator, who from the very beginning put family first. What I'm telling you is that to experience the family, to experience the blessings that God has in store for us, it's not just about us putting family first. It takes value and priority. We recognize that. It takes investments and commitment. It requires that. But I want to tell you that it takes humility to do the hard things. It takes humility to hear God and to obey what he calls us into to have the healthy family that God desires for you. Last week, we talked about the evolution of families, our views. It went from a tribal-based, community-based to a very nuclear-based over time. And not only that, we, especially in the past 100 years, we see the dysfunction and the brokenness of even single-parent families and where the models have shifted where I'm going to make family whatever I want as opposed to God's design. And we're coming back to the fundamental basics of what God had intended, and that requires humility and obedience. You guys with me? So my question to you is, do you guys want the blessings? Do you guys want the family that God has in store for you? No matter your experience, no matter your background, do you want what God wants for you? Ooh, it's a quiet room. 
I was expecting a little bit of a response on that one. Okay, let me try that again. Do you guys want the family, your family, to be what God wants for your family? Yes. Thank you. All right. You got me nervous on that one. (laughs) All right. And there's a cost behind that. There's a cost. Are you willing to pay that cost? Yeah? A little bit more quiet, but it's okay. All right. I, I respect honesty. All right. Uh, our scripture today comes from Genesis 45. Genesis 45. I will have it up for you, but before we get into the word, uh, Je- Pastor Jessica gave us great prayer, but I, I need to pray. Join me. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I just acknowledge your presence here. Acknowledge your lordship and my position in you. And I just submit to you and your Holy Spirit. Give me the words to speak to your sons and your daughters what they need to hear. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Say, have your way in me, Lord. Have your way in me. All of us, we submit to you. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 45, 4 through 5, And then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. You guys know the story of Joseph? This is a very familiar passage, but I hope you're... Watch Prince of Egypt. It's a classic now. <laughs> but they did very well. But we get to, no, I'm not thinking Prince of Egypt. It's the, the color, what, what's the Joseph story? Yeah. Okay, I'm mixing up my cartoons. Prince of Joseph. Prince of Joseph. You're making up a movie now. <laughs> Okay, the part two. That's the Joseph. We're going back. All right. (laughs) The story of Joseph is, uh, listen, Joseph grew up in a very privileged environment. He had many brothers. His father showed favoritism, and they should have been a little bit more discreet about their favoritism. But Joseph was a recipient of just a lot of love. He had a special coat. He had special privileges, special roles compared to what his brothers had. And his brothers did not like that. That, I'm simplifying this in a nutshell, but you guys get it, right? There was a favorite son. Joseph was it. He did not do anything wrong, per se. He just didn't know how to hide this favor that was over him. And we even know that God had a special calling in his life, that one day he would rule, he would rise above his brothers in the situations, but nobody wanted to hear him say that. There was this jealousy that was so deep that they did, they, there were brothers who really wanted to kill Joseph, but as a compromise, instead of killing their brother, they threw him into the pit, eventually decided to sell him into slavery. Now, I don't know 
If you have ever experienced betrayal or disappointment, or if your family member hurt you, but this is a big hurt. Huge. Because in a family, it is where you're supposed to be safe. In a family is where you, know, you, you should be able to trust. You know, your brother is supposed to be there for you. Your mom is supposed to be there for you. Your dad is supposed to be there for you. And there's a role that we all supposed to play within our family. And family is supposed to be that stable environment where we protect one another, not to be thrown into the pit and sl- sold into slavery. Who does that? So can you imagine what Joseph might have experienced? Because for 22 years, he is in a foreign country as a slave. Not only that, he gets then accused of rape or some sexual assault that he did not do, and he finds himself in jail. And for 22 years, he's wondering, why is my life this way? Imagine if that was you. If you've been wrong, if injustice happened, you might question everything. You might question your family, your purpose, God. That pain, that, it could be traumatic. It, it could ruin you if you were to experience such a thing. But this is where the rubber meets the road. How we deal with these traumas shows more about our character than what the other person did against us. You guys understand? Often, we play the victim game. Not a game. It's, that's a bad word. We often recognize that we are victims of some wrong, injustice, pains. But how we respond to these things shows our character, godly character, or godly righteousness, than what the other person's wrong is. As followers of Jesus, we have to prioritize in how we respond, who we are, and who God is. We have to recognize our identity, where we come from, more than our environmental situations. I know that's hard, but I'm just telling you, that's at the very core of our calling in our lives. I've had many situations where people come to me and tell me what had happened. Whether it's their work, somebody stole their work, um, betrayal of their friends, siblings. And I understand the pain that they might have gone through, the anguish. But often they just want to vent and they want to be heard of what had happened, and I understand that. But true character is rising above venting. It's standing to firm of who you are as a son and daughter, man, woman of character. It, so it's, I'm just saying, it's more important to how we respond to the injustice. So here's Joseph who experienced Injustice like none anyone has ever experienced. 
in a really a worse traumatic situation. And I, this is me, had that have been me, I might have reacted seeing somebody who wronged me. You guys ever experienced that? Unless you intentionally prepare your mindset, what would I do if I meet that person again? There was a, there was a brother who wronged me in college. And I remember for years, I plotted revenge. Years. I kid you not, that was bad. Even this was after being saved, after being, becoming Christian. This brother betrayed me, and it hurt me deeply. And I remember my, my plan was, this sounds evil. This is going to be a confession. <laughs> I, I literally plotted that I'm going to get him some 20 years later when he's least expecting it. That was my intention. Do you guys, like, how wrong that is? That showed my character, my immaturity at that time. But I harbored that grudge for many years. And when I heard a sermon about forgiveness, that night as I was doing my devotion, the Lord said, give it to me. And I was on my knees crying, Lord, I can't. I really struggled to even let go of that. I was like, this is my right to get back at him. And yeah, we're in different cities. I, don't, I haven't even seen that guy in, for years. But in my mind, I'm going to get him some 20 years later when he's least expecting it, I'm going to ruin him. That was, that was my thinking. But that showed my character. That's where God says, give it to me. It's not for you to hold. The moment I let go of that is when God's peace came. I'm not saying this was easy. I'm saying it took a lot a process in my life and humility to let go of this in order for, for God to even just minister to me. Funny thing was, two weeks later, I saw that guy in the most public place. What had, I had imagined years before was that if I saw him in public, what would I do? Well, how would I react? But when I saw him, I had perfect peace. What I'm saying is, you have to be intentional even beforehand before you meet those accusers, those who have wronged you. Joseph, I don't know what was going through in his mind, but he has a reunion. He has a supernatural reunion with his family, with those very brothers who had thrown him into the pit, those who had tried to kill him or tried to sell him out to slavery. The wrong that he had received, he rises above that and shows the character of God. And we see from this text that he offers forgiveness and reconciliation. It, it blows my mind, honestly. Because I don't know if I could have been able to do as what he did. But here's a perspective that he had. He, he said, do not be stressed, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me out, in verse uh, 5, because it was to save lives that God set me ahead of you. He had perspective that it was God's sovereign will, that he orchestrated. It was not you, brothers, who tried to kill me. It was God who sent me ahead of you in order to save, to be a blessing, not only for this country, but for you as a family. That's huge. It's to have an eternal perspective that says, those who have come against me, well, you are not in control. It is God. God was preparing me for something even greater than you and your 
motives, intentions to hurt me. You know, many things in life give us trouble. There are hurts that are intentional, and there are hurts that are unintentional. There are the evil people who try to come against you, and then there are people who hurt you without meaning to. Often in the church, I have seen so many unintentional hurts because people misread, misunderstood uh, mere communications or overhearing something, taking things out of context, and they get hurt. And when they get hurt, they're traumatized. They leave the church. They say, I don't need this. I I just need peace in my life. I don't need this fill in the blank. And they leave. What I'm saying is, how you respond to the situation shows more about you than the other person who might have done the wrong, intentionally or unintentionally. It shows character. And forgiveness is the ultimate game changer. Forgiveness is the character of God. It's the moral attribute of God that we need to adopt because forgiveness is the bridge that leads us to the righteousness of God. We say we want the blessings of God. We say we want this unless we're willing to go over the bridge, to cross over, to do the hard things, to obey what God calls us. We're not really saying we want God because we're just saying if it's to our convenience. But what I'm saying is if you want God's blessing, you need to cross over and do the hard things. Forgiveness is that, the bridge that we need to cross over. Forgiveness brings peace of God, the shalom of God, to his people. The word peace, I think in our 21st century, we have made it very light of it. You know, I think the hippies, you know, popularize it, peace, man. You know, right? We make a joke of it. There's a peace sign, and we see peace everywhere. But God's peace is something far different. God's peace, shalom in the Hebrew, is not peace because there is absence of conflict. Peace that comes from wholeness, wellness. It's when you greet somebody and they say, shalom, right? They're saying peace to you, but what they're saying is, greetings, I hope your life is well and whole. No one is sick. No, nothing is lacking. That everyone is well and that you have this peace, supernatural peace, that comes only from God. That's the peace. If you are sick, you're not at peace. If you are, something's broken in you, you are not at peace because there is something that is broken, but you need the wholeness and wellness to experience the peace. That's the shalom that we're talking about. Well, forgiveness is the instrument that brings a shalom. If there is a brokenness in your relationship, brokenness in your heart, attitude against another, it lacks peace. Especially in family. Come on, let's be real. Any of you guys have siblings that you never fought with? Come on. Come on. You're the only. Ah. 
I grew up with five sisters. I was the runt. And they used to bully me. I have strong sisters. They used to bully me when I was little. In, in love, but it's sort of the Korean culture. You, you kind of beat, yeah, they beat up those they love. I didn't like it, but as soon as I got to be of a teen and, you know, grow spurred and I'm getting stronger, I cocked an attitude. They bullied me, and I say, I'm not having any more of that. And I fought back, and they were like, how dare you show disrespect to your elders or, you know. And we got into some fights, sometimes physical. I am embarrassed to even admit. And looking back, it's, it was bad. But then I remember in the middle of the night, my sister, I hear her crying in another room. And my heart broke. As much as I want to stand up for my own rights, because I didn't want to be wronged, I hated the fact that in my own house, in my own life, against our own siblings that we loved, that there was a divide, there was division, there was hurt. And I caused somebody to cry. She started it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Still, you guys with me? In home is where family is one. That's the definition of family. You guys know that? You look up any definition. A family is a unit of family members that identifies as a family and live together. That's a family. The moment families break up is when a child grows up and goes, I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to be part of your life. I, don't want, I want to do my own thing. I want to be independent. I want to be separate. Or worse, they come in the form of rejection. I don't want you anymore. I'm tired of hearing you. That can be traumatizing. I know mothers just, you know, first day of college, they send off their son or daughter, and they cry for weeks. You, you guys know some of them? Yeah. That's traumatizing just for the mother, and they're sending you off to college. Can you imagine if it happened out of an overflow of bickering, fight, conflict that's a, that was unresolved? It hurts. And you guys know something like that. Some conflicts are too painful to recognize. Joseph, for 22 years, probably pondered why he experienced what he experienced. But when face to face with his brothers, he wept before them, forgiving them and then blessing them. I, I want you to consider that. Uh, Genesis 45, 13, and this is what he says in response after their meeting. He says, you must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen, hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin upon, wept upon his neck, kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. You guys have to read chapter 45. I was reading this, and I wept. Because it, the context is the older brother who was somewhat responsible, who tried to protect Joseph. After realizing what he has seen, his father broken for seeing his son, thinking that he's, he's dead. And then in this situation, because of Joseph and, and how he 
kind of manipulated the situation, thought they had to bring Benjamin, their son. He's like, I, he's like, I can't do that anymore. I can't see my father die. Take me instead. I mean, here is this older brother learning from his past mistakes and just giving of himself and goes, take me instead. I, I can't leave Benjamin. I, I can't do that to my dad again. And that's what brought about in Joseph this heart that his brothers had repented. And he repented. He responded in that reconciliation. And not only did he forgive his brothers, his betrayers or herders right there, but he wanted to bless them. He's like, bring my dad. Bring everyone else. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a plot of land. Show the honor. Right? I'm, I'm going to take care of you. Isn't it? You, try, you came against me. What you intended for evil, God intended for good. Like, he had the eternal perspective that God was in control, even in the midst of all of that. Can you bless those who hurt you? Can you bless those? It's one thing to forgive, but can you bless those who hurt you? That's the hard thing. Because it is through the overflow of you blessing others that God blesses you. You guys with me? The kingdom principle is almost backwards sometimes. The more you give away, the more God gives. The, the natural logic is you want to have more, you save. What you have, you keep for yourself. Don't give it away because you want to accumulate. That's how you gain more. But kingdom principle is give away. As freely as you receive, freely give. And see what the Lord's going to do. I, I'm ready to preach a whole other message on tangent here. But you have to understand kingdom principles were completely different than the natural. It's almost illogical. The more you give away, how do you get more? God's desire for you is to bless you. He says forgive because you have been forgiven. As you have been forgiven. Give. As freely as you receive, give. And God gives more. Here is Joseph who recognizes that I have received, not for me to hoard, not to be coming into power for my own personal gain, but to be a blessing to the nations. To be a blessing not only for Egypt, which was a recognized superpower at that time, but to his own countrymen, to his own family, to bring them in. To the very ones who hurt him, rejected him, he's like, I'm going to take care of you. Can you imagine what Israel, the nation of Israel, would have been had Joseph not been there? Because in this point in history, it was year two of seven-year famine. There was no food in the land that, that Jacob sent his brothers, his sons out. He goes, go get some food. I heard Egypt has some food. Go. That was year two. Can you imagine what five more years would bring? People were suffering, and it was God who ordained, divinely gave him inspirations for Joseph to be able to lead in such a way to be a blessing, not only for Egypt, but his own family that are in another country. Can you bless those who hurt you? And I think that's the game changer. Because if you remain in pain, you will stay in pain. But if you forgive and choose to bless, 
more blessings come to you. But some of you guys might say, my pain is worse. This pain I, I can't deal with, and I understand. And I can't even imagine what you might have experienced. But we need to always consider the pain of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel that he represents. What pain did God's son, Jesus Christ, experience? He came in form of his own creation, in form of a man. God himself came in form of a man to serve the lost, to love that they might be saved. Three, three and a half years of ministry, he is reaching out, giving, giving, pouring onto them. And upon his cross, as he's dying, only one of the 12 were there. Only one of the 12. Can you imagine? One betrays him for a few pieces of silver. One he invested his life, betrays him for money. All the others were scary cats who were trying to save their own behind. Couldn't even be there in the crowd. Only John was there in the crowd at the cross, weeping before his Lord. Can you imagine the disappointment that Jesus might have experienced there? And yet, to the people he came to save. They were so lost, they had no idea. They wanted to kill him. Why? Because he did not fulfill their expectation of what a Christ would look like? Because he was a nice guy? Because he healed the sick? And didn't fulfill the law that they thought he should have? Like, they had their own legalistic mindset of what the Christ ought to behave, but he hung out with the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners. Oh my God, how detestable is he? And they want to kill him for that because he was so loving. And yet he's hanging on that cross for the very people that he came to save. Can you imagine the anguish? And all he says to the fathers, forgive them for they know not what they do. The heart of God is to bless even those who come against them. Jesus forgave them all. And that's the gospel. Forgiveness is the kingdom model for God's family. You can't have church without forgiveness. You guys know that? We would be having a rotational door. People going in, going out, in, out, because hurts happen in the church. Often, misunderstanding, unintentional, but unless you know how to forgive and reconcile, there is no church. Because you can't have family without reconciliation. You can't have healing without reconciliation. You cannot experience shalom without reconciliation. Just by very nature of what shalom is, you need forgiveness and reconciliation. But we desire for our family to be blessed, don't we? And no matter what brokenness you might experience, what disappointment, we still pray for our family members. Pray for your dad who might have hurt you. Pray for your mom who might have said some things. Pray for your kids who might have 
been mean and disrespectful. We want them blessed, and, and we hear prayer requests. No matter the hurt we receive, we want them blessed because that's who we are as a family. You know, as I, as I was preparing this message and constantly asking, Lord, what is it that you want to say to your people? And I couldn't help but like, get ideas of some of the pains that you might have experienced. Your relationship with your dad, or the lack thereof, his absence in your life, maybe. Thought about the harsh words that your mom might have said, or your protective older brother who didn't protect you. I don't know. I don't know what you went through. But to have our healthy family, to experience shalom in our household, to experience the blessings that God desires to give onto his families, we need to forgive. We need to let go. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.